Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com. I am your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen. And joining me is one of the Utah linebacker legends in school history, everyone's favorite linebacker from the University of Utah, Sly Stevenson. Sylvester joins me. Sly, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Everybody's best except you. You picked Gianni over me. So hey. You know. One of the best, which means your top two. I'll take okay. it. I'll if, take I, if I actually had Jibo on this, on this as well, I, I would be surrounded by legends. But it, just, just because you're not number one just means that you're – it doesn't mean you're not a legend. You I'm are selfish. a legend to everybody. I so. the number one title. I'm selfish. I hey, that. I know. And you know what? Would you be okay with code number one? Like I could put 1A, 1B or – OMVDs, you know, go yeah. check one in the NBA All-Star game. I think that's possible. All right, I'll, I'll take it. If it was you know that, what? I'll go into the story and then change it to two number ones and Ooh, not have a number two. Me? I appreciate it. You got – all right, all right, it's done. All right, so uh, something that we're going to be doing, and one of the reasons why I'm bringing Sly back on is Sly, and a lot of it ha- has been him. I got to give him props for uh, putting this together. I did, he and I just both had the idea, but he's the one who's really gone through and booked these guys. We're going to do something on Thursday, April 30th, at 11 a.m. Mountain Time on the KSL Sports Facebook and YouTube pages. That is called the Great Ute Debate, where we're going to get members from the 2004 Utah football team and members of the 2008 Utah football team, both teams busted the BCS and went uh, without a loss, undefeated, the only two times that Utah football has ever done that. And Sly, you're going to be a part of that 08 team, and you're going to be joined by Brian Johnson, Utah quarterback. And then uh, for the 2004 team, we're going with All-American and 12 or thir- – I mean, he's been in the league for like 13 years. Eric Weddle, uh, he'll be joining us as well as Utah running back legend Quinton Ganther so this is stacked and we're gonna really try I mean again we're gonna try and figure out which Utah football team is the greatest of all time yeah it's gonna be awesome um I mean I appreciate you even presenting that as an option and then of course just reaching out to the guys um it was really easy to get in contact with them especially with this quarantine going on I know Quinton got a lot of kids in his ear right now just (laughs) like I just need a break. I'll talk about anything. But um, I think this is going to be tremendous because this is a thing that's been going on for at least the last 11 years. People talking about which team is better. Like, 
okay, who's, who had the harder schedule? Who did this? What team members? How many people went to the NFL? Like, all of that should be settled on Thursday. So I'm excited. Yeah, and, you know, for me, just to be able to moderate it, I'm going to be around a bunch of legends. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to try and, you know, keep it clean. But what we're going to do, I'm going to put you guys through – some uh, type of uh, game plays where I, I set you guys up. You guys are on a certain down, certain yard line. The score is this. What's going to happen? And, you know, what what does the OA defense do, uh, do against the 0-4 offense and things like that? And then we're also going to talk about your guys' seasons because and, – and something I'm going to bring up, and I'm just going to give you a leg up on this now. One of the things that, that your, your team, the uh, Sugar Bowl champion team, can, can say is that you guys had to beat Alabama when the Fiesta Bowl team – had to play Pitt. I mean, Pitt, Alabama. I mean, if we can look at the. Uh, I know. You know I don't want that topic difficulty to because I, I can't blame the O four team for for beating who they presented to them. They didn't yeah. give uh, any respect, so they were just like. Here, but play. they also blew out every team. Every team. So, it's so they like, have that on their side. I don't know who they would have put in front of them, but I think the 04 team would have handled it. I think they, the 04 team, we owe them everything because we would be in the 04 team's position if they hadn't done that in 04. So they did that in 04 and they gave us the possibility to play Alabama. And then we showed up against Alabama. So I definitely got to give credit to the 04 team for, you know, uh, letting the path for us to be able to play the high-ranked Alabama and show who we are because they didn't get that opportunity in the Was watching that team win that game against Pitt, did that help you even make your choice to Utah that much easier just seeing, you know, how much trending the uh, program was going through? Because both your team in 2008 and also Weddle and, uh, and uh, Quinton's team in, in 2004 really put Utah football on the map to what it is right now. Yeah, no question. It definitely made my decision extremely easy. I mean, I had UNLV and Utah State. I think uh, those were my other two options. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't want to stay at home. And I think what Utah had everything that I wanted. They had uh, a great football program. Um, they were known as a basketball school, especially from the 98 era. We, everybody knows about that, kind of like the 1990 UNLV Rebels. Um, the 98 Utes were uh, – were a team that was very similar to that. So um, you knew about Utah. Uh, I knew they had a great education system when I came out here on my recruiting trip and, and was able to dig deep. And so um, looking at who was on the roster, I know Quinton left at 05, but Weddle was still there when I got there. And I, I was just like, this is an amazing opportunity. It's not Vegas, six hours away. Um, so I, it just, that 014, what they did and putting Utah on the map, was incredible. So um, I appreciate them because it definitely, definitely helped me out making my decision. Well, not only that, you also developed a bond with a lot of these guys who were even on, on that uh, 2004 team, like Eric Weddle, you and him were teammates for, I think his last year was your Just first year. year. Yeah. yeah. So it was the one year. But there was a lot of guys on the 04 team. I played with Kimiatu, um, with Chris Kimiatu, um, uh, Boons. I know both of the Boone brothers uh, pretty well. Uh, receivers, um, you know, uh, Madsen, uh, defenders, uh, Scally, of course. But, um, yeah, Sean Harper, I, I was able to, to build bonds with a lot of the guys uh, from that 04 squad. Paris Warren, um, you know, those guys are extreme supporters in everything I do. Like, it's this, this Utah 
organization is Utah University is, is a, a real family oriented thing. Even if guys that were 10 years ahead of me and I never went to school with them, man, we went to the same school. It's a, it's a brotherhood. It's a bond. Um, we support each other in everything we can do. And I, I love it. That's why I, I really think Utah is definitely uh, where I belong. And I'm so glad that uh, I ended up coming here to Utah. Tell all the college football fans why they should tune in to the great Ute debate on Thursday morning. I don't think you even need to say anything. You guys have literally been asking this question for the last 12 years. Let's, let's find out. You guys give your questions that you want to have between Brian Johnson, who was the leader of the offense. He was, he was the MVP of the Sugar Bowl. He'll be on the podcast. Ask anything you want. Well, what did what was the game plan going in? How was the whole season laid out beforehand? Or did you think you had a chance? You can ask all those questions, and even the 04, and that's been 16 years now. So you can dive deep, and let's settle this before it gets 30 years <laughs> out of the mix. And, and, you know, people end up forgetting, but I'm pretty sure that every Utah fan has literally been asking these questions forever. This is the one time that you can find out anything that you want uh, in this debate. So I think there's nothing that really needs to be said. There's two teams who, if they match up against one another, who would win? Do you also think that the uh, 2019 Utah football team is the third best team of all time? Man, they had a couple losses, man, so I can't, I can't say that. I, can't I mean, obviously you're not able to put them in, in your guys' conversation because they didn't they, – they, you, you guys never lost a game and they did. But, the, I mean uh, – you really have to look at it because that, that 2014, 2015 team of Utah was amazing. Defense uh, was really good. Defense was amazing, right? I, uh, I think we had Gianni Paul and mm-hmm. uh, Jared Norris were at linebacker. Um, we, we, I mean, there was plenty of great Utah teams, but they had losses. No matter what the competition was, no matter what had happened, what, you had opportunity. And you had losses, so uh, you can't be put in the same conversations, and I can't give them the third place vote, mainly because it was so recent. You know, it was so recent, so everybody's still like, oh, my God, this team was just so amazing. But we really have to do some research on the the prior teams to to be able to give them that title. But I still think OA is the best, and uh, we'll be able to settle that on. I I guess we're going to find out on Thursday if you guys were the best team. On that team from last year for Utah football, they did have seven guys get drafted into the NFL. Uh, and they had four guys go in the in the first three rounds. Jalen Johnson was the first one off the board going to the Bears uh, in, in the second round, 50th overall. And then you had Julian Blackman to the Colts in the third round. Zach Moss, one pick right after to the Buffalo Bills. And then Terrell Burgess. I, I don't know if, if you saw Terrell Burgess's video when he got the call from the L.A. Rams. Was it his brother who tackled him in the room? He's like, man, let he him must have. <laughs> <laughs> But just hearing how emotional he was, in that video, that's the stuff I'm there for on Twitter, man. I mean, it was it was just so awesome just to hear him. You know, the the GM was was kind of you know get, having him go through the process, and he's cheering through the phone. He's just like, yes, yes, and you could you could just hear his emotion. It was so awesome. And then you go into the uh, third day. Lucky Foto came off the board pretty quick to the Arizona Cardinals. Bradley and I was was a guy who I thought was going to be in the fourth round, potentially even third round. It was looking that way but he dropped all the way to the last pick of the fifth round of the Dallas Cowboys and then John Penasini to the Lions. And then we'll, we'll get into the undrafted free agents too, because five guys have landed spots as an undrafted free agent. One Tyler Huntley 
I think has a great spot. But let's let's just start with the guys who were drafted. Who landed to their the, probably the best spot that that they could have possibly asked for to start their NFL careers? All of them. They, all it of was them. it was amazing picks by all of them. I really actually wish Zach Moss would have went to uh, Pittsburgh. He's a <laughs> Pittsburgh type of running back, um, but that didn't happen. And I think I I've really been thinking out of those four. Uh, the, of the second round, I think it was it was Zach Moss. I think Buffalo is the perfect because Buffalo's on the rise yes. right now. They're doing good these last few years. You know, they drafted a number one quarterback a couple years ago. Um, he's just now getting into his groove. That defense is solid, and you'll have a full team. So I I think Zach Moss is in the best position because he'll literally play running back. There's not much special teams he'll do. Um, and he'll get to do what he does. So I'm so happy he went early in the second round. Um, they didn't get pro day, so we didn't really get to to see them and how healthy he is now. But um, he's literally been able to rest the last five months. So um, I I think he, uh, out of all the positions, and there were some good ones. I mean, uh, Anai with the Cowboys, even though he went later, I think that's a perfect spot for him. I think Jalen Johnson, whatever team he's on, he's literally going to be great. Jalen has that Deion Sanders quality and capabilities of just putting him on the island and the rest of the defense do whatever. To where Jalen doesn't even need to get in the huddle. Look, I'm on this guy. That's it. Just take him out of the equation. We're playing 10 on 10 now. It's not 11 on 11. Take your number one receiver. He has the capability. He's a 6'2 corner, uh, and he tackles. He has speed. He's he's his football IQ is insanely high. So I think he's just one of those guys that gets it. So it doesn't matter what team he's on, he's got it. But as far as like the perfect fit, I would say Zach Moss and Buffalo um, because I've been there. <laughs> and so I know Buffalo, but I think he's just going to have an amazing career. Um, he's a humble kid and, you know, he's going to be a workhorse out there in Buffalo. So uh, expect great things from Zach Moss in year one um, out there in Buffalo. Could someone other than the uh, New England Patriots finally win their their uh, division? Because Tom Brady and, and Gronk are both gone now. Can you tell me that, that the Bills that, have a shot to win did, the AFC did, East? Did Gronk go come back out? Yeah, he's come out of retirement after winning the twenty four seven WWE belt at uh at, at one of the WrestleMania events. Because the uh, Patriots still had his rights, the Buccaneers had to give up like a seventh round pick or like two draft picks to get Gronk. So Gronk is officially going to Tampa. Well, good for them. Uh, Gronk, I mean, he was way too young to retire. Hopefully he's got a, a year to rest his back. He's had some ailments, but him and Tom Brady, that, that combination was just amazing. So um, next watch, you'll see Edelman probably get there right before training camp. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely think the Buffalo Bills will win the NFC East or the AFC East. Yeah. And um, they'll, they'll be the top dogs because I don't see the Jets or the, the Dolphins being able to keep up with them. They did a good job at drafting Beckton, though. He is a monster. But I don't like their quarterback. So it doesn't matter. Seeing but, um, and I, they, 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 they've done away with Le'Veon Bell in, in New York, right? No, no, Bell's still there. He, I, I think he's on the last year of his deal. Well, I mean, that's all they're going to I mean, either way – it's still the Jets. Yeah. It's it's one of one of two places in the league that your career goes to die. That in Cleveland. 
Well, hey, you said it. I completely believe it. That's what has been the uh, the norm ever since I got into the league. So everybody knows you don't want to go to those two places. But um, they have huge fan bases, whoever you're at, New York or Cleveland. So that's one thing you can appreciate. But I definitely think uh, the Buffalo Bills will come out of the AFC East. All right, guys who did not get drafted but uh, had, had great landing spots, Tyler Huntley. Could mm. potentially be the backup quarterback in Baltimore behind. There's no the potential about it. He's going MVP. To... I mean, you look you look at who who he has to compete for. Robert Griffin the third. The guy's so, washed up. He you know he, his his uh, prime came and gone. Tyler Huntley could be a sleeper. And you know, say that Jackson gets hurt. At, you know, knock on wood for Baltimore Raven fans that that doesn't happen. But Tyler Huntley's a guy who can play the quarterback position in the National Football League. Yeah, excuse me for saying RG3 sucks, by the way. It's that he definitely made it to the NFL and has had a career. He's a quarterback. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. Um, I don't think he's a sufficient backup quarterback. He may be a third quarterback, but I've literally been saying this since the season ended that Baltimore is the team for Tyler. Um, Baltimore won. They they want they had the best record in the NFL and they ended up getting a backup guy to back up Lamar Jackson in Tyler Huntley and so like it, I mean he's six foot so that's the thing everybody's all on statistics oh he's not tall enough oh he doesn't weigh enough but you've seen so many people have success who don't have those stats Drew Brees really small hands about five eleven quarterback best quarterback of all time arguably right. And so, like, you don't have to have that six seven, six eight stature in order for you to uh, be a great quarterback. He has the IQ. He has the vision. And that system that they were putting in in Baltimore is the perfect, perfect system for Tyler Huntley. And uh, him and Lamar, I think they will match up well. Um, I'm not sure. I think they come from the same areas. So they, they that actually played against each other when, uh, when uh, Huntley was at Hallandale. I, I and think- actually, Tyler Huntley beat him. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> so, hey, how about that for a storyline? But I think that's a perfect place for him. I think he can grow. I think Huntley will start to get some time around the fourth, fifth year. Um, if Jackson can um, stay healthy, as you said, and not take too many hits, you know, he runs the ball a lot. But um, Lamar Jackson can throw the ball as well, just like Huntley. Huntley can run. Huntley can throw the ball. I think Huntley is the perfect backup quarterback for Lamar Jackson. That's going to be a young team. That's just amazing. And Josh Nurse, 6'2", 6'3", corner, going in there and learning from from the guys they got there. They got Jimmy Smith there. They got Marcus Peters there. They have an outstanding defensive backfield. And so, like, the Ravens are still winning right now. They are my favorites to go to the Super Bowl next year. Um, You know, they – they should have got there last year, but, you know, you have to play the game. Um, but they are – they're stacking up and they're doing all the right things. Uh, a guy who is going to the uh, Jets. So I hope that he is, you know, a guy whose career doesn't die there, can really show that that he's able to play in the NFL, is Javelin Gidry. He's a guy who who signed, signed with the Jets. Uh, obviously the Jets need help basically anywhere out on the field. Um, I feel like Javelin could come in and really help him at that nickel spot. Yeah, um, he definitely probably won't get time, you know, this first year, unless he's just outstanding, because honestly, I was the same way. I wasn't supposed to do anything. And next thing you know, I'm I'm on the Super Bowl team with the Steelers. So you never know what can happen. 
Um, I say stay strong because when you become a restricted free agent in three years, that's when everything's going to open up for you. So um, the biggest thing is have an amazing rookie season, work your butt off as you have. But when you come back to your second year, that first year, second year is, is everything. So don't downplay special teams. If he can be a boss on special teams, end up with 25 plus tackles on special teams this year, he's going to be a name that's going to be talked about forever. Then he starts getting to defensive reps where he's good at. And you're right. He's a tremendous nickelback player that can stick with any slot receiver. Because when you put receivers in the slot, they look at disadvantages because they literally can go anywhere on the field. If you can have a defender that can defend a fast receiver anywhere on the field, you are right in the right position. So um, I think he's, he's got a great future ahead of him. Being a, a drafted free agent is, is still great. I don't want anybody to downplay where you got drafted or if you're on a team, that is an amazing opportunity and you can make whatever happen. You've seen so many people be undrafted free agents and end up with third and fourth contracts. Taysom Hill just got one uh, today. He, he just signed a new two-year deal to stay in New Orleans and it's a two-year $21 million deal for a guy who didn't get drafted and mm-hmm. who's a guy who doesn't have a position. I, I, I know he's a quarterback, but they use him in so many different ways. But Javelin Guidry, Tyler Huntley, these guys can carve out contracts for themselves where they could be in the NFL for years. Yeah, you are, you are you're in business for yourself. And that's the biggest difference from college to the pros. It's, it's really a business and you need to take it that way. And so you need to carve your own path, but you need to be within the, the team concept at the same time. But just know that um, it's, it's ultimately up to you of how long you stay in the NFL. So work hard and make it happen. Definitely do what Taysom did. Do what a lot of these other guys did that were in his position and make him a spot. Make him a spot and make it happen. He can do it. Yeah, and, you know, as a Denver Broncos fan, a guy who didn't get a combine invite, a guy who who didn't get drafted but is the, the starting running back for the Denver Broncos is Phillip Lindsay. And he's mm-hmm. a guy, after his rookie season, ended up going, getting a, a Pro Bowl invite. Didn't play because he was injured, but still was invited to go play in the Pro Bowl after his first season where he was undrafted. Yeah, you can make anything happen. Lindsay's out of Connecticut, right? No, Colorado. Colorado? He, he, was, he, he was the Colorado running back from Denver and then went to Boulder oh, but, uh, and had a great career for the Buffs, and, but just didn't get a combine invite. He, he's really small, but he's just tough and physical. As I said, your size and stuff don't matter. Yeah. Don't be a gym hero. Mm-hmm. Be a hard worker. Have football knowledge. And that's what all of these guys from Utah have. That's why we're getting such a great reputation at Utah is because our guys are intelligent year after year, accountable year after year. We don't make trouble. We work hard and we know the game of football. So don't be so much of like, oh, I can live so much. Oh, I can run so fast. But how much do you know about the game of football? Can your angles that you take cut off a guy who runs a 4-2-40 when you run a 4-8? Can you do that? You know, can you uh, leverage yourself to where you're not the strongest human being, but you can get under some places and make the play happen? At the end of the day, can you make a tackle? Can you get in the end zone? That's all you got to be able to do. A guy who I felt like, and you and I talked about this prior to the uh, podcast starting, was uh, Bernard going to the Dallas Cowboys. Francis, I think, could really find a spot in Dallas, especially with the unknowns of Sean Lee. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. And, um, you know, I think Francis Bernard should have been drafted, but I think he didn't get drafted just because he's a shorter linebacker. And again, it's going to stats and it doesn't make any sense. There's tons of short linebackers who made amazing careers, but I think Francis Bernard's intelligence is going to get him a roster spot. And even then, I think the Mike McCarthy type of team aspect and culture he puts down there is exactly where Bradley and I and Francis Bernard belong. It's going to be awesome. Those two are definitely going to be able to stick together, help each other as far as learning the playbook. Um, They're going to be on the field at the same time countless times. So if they can communicate, having somebody like that next to you in a new environment is everything. So it was happening at the Senior Bowl. Those two worked together great at the Senior Bowl, man. And um, to see them both in Dallas is, I think they were, as you said, perfect teams for both of them. You didn't have that uh, happen to you in your career where, where you had one of your teammates playing with you as you were starting your NFL career, right? Starting my NFL career? Or even during your, your career in either Buffalo or uh, Pittsburgh? Uh, in Pittsburgh, um, I had a couple guys come through. I didn't really play with them in college. Reggie Dunn came through. That's right. Um, uh, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I haven't had that. So to have that happen, I mean, it, it's actually pretty cool, especially two guys who were leaders for the, for that defense for Utah. Same team, same, same chemistry. Um, they learn the same. I think it's, um, it'll be great to have somebody to bounce stuff off because it's lonely. It's lonely sometimes because, as I said, you're in the business by yourself. So a lot of the guys is like, I'm going to get mine. Like, I'm going to study. I'm going to get my own stuff. I'm going to make sure that I look good. But if you have somebody out there who you know you guys are on the same team, same mission, and, you're, uh, and you guys are wanting the same success, you're going to end up helping each other out more than you know. So having that brotherhood there in, in, in Dallas, I think, will work out beautifully for them. Another guy who didn't get drafted but did land with a, a team is Darren Paulo, who is joining the uh, New Orleans Saints. Mm. I mean, to be able to play on, on the same offensive line that uh, Drew Brees is, you know, you know, to be a guy who would block for Drew Brees, that would actually be pretty cool. I mean, he may not get minutes. It depends on the situation in New Orleans. But still, I mean, for him to land in New Orleans is a, is a great spot, I think, for Darren. Paulo is a huge human being. So yeah, he is. <laughs> I think, I think – you know, he stays healthy and stays in New Orleans and works hard. That's all he has to do, work hard. Because even if you're on um, their, their developmental team, um, which is the rookie team, learn, learn, learn. There's no guaranteed spots. But one thing the NFL respects is hard work. So if he wor- works hard, New Orleans is an amazing team to be a part of, an amazing team to learn. Because once you learn that offensive scheme, you'll be able to be good at no other, at any other team you go to. So stick there. If, I hope it's your last spot, but in the NFL, you move a lot. So um, I, I take as much as you can from being on such a great team, work hard, and make it happen. And then the uh, final guy who landed on a team is uh, Josh Nurse. Uh, he's going to the Baltimore Ravens. He, he's a guy who is kind of trying to, to show that corners don't have to be small to be, to be productive. No, no, no. And, and, and they're great as far as big bodies. Sharif Shaw probably had a, a huge video uh, compliment to him because oh, yeah. Josh Nurse, man, his, his body presence is amazing. You know, it's like Sean Smith. Sean Smith didn't know what position he was going to play. He started at running back, went to receiver, went to uh, another position. But 
just knowing that you're a six three six four guy who can run with short receivers, you can take angles. I don't think Sean Smith's straight ahead speed could you know run in the four threes, four fours, but his football angles takes away anybody who runs any faster than him. So, like, it didn't mean anything, and he had a great NFL career. I think that is the same thing that Josh Nurse brings to the table. And as I said before, he's going to a great defense. So he has a lot of people to learn from with that. Speaking of giant bodies, Lecky Foto, what, what kind of an impact could he have with the Cardinals? Man, the Cardinals are great. Uh, and I think Leckie's awesome because no matter what kind of defense the Cardinals have, whether it's a 3-4 or 4-3, he can rotate and he has the intelligence, especially the body movement. For how big he is, he moves extremely well. I think he needs to learn to work better with his hands in the NFL because you can't make mistakes like you can in college in the NFL. If you mess up with your hands for one second, you're off. But I think I think Lecky has an opportunity to have an extremely long career because he's dedicated. He football comes easy to him. When he stays healthy, he's gonna be an amazing force in the NFL because those these tackle those D tackles rotate and they can end up lasting a whole game. And he has the endurance to do that. Um, he's a great guy, came from Salt Lake City. So uh, I think he's just going to have an amazing career being down there in Arizona, not far for his family to travel. is an amazing opportunity for him. So I can't wait to see that. He's only been playing the game for five years. Right. And one, you know, one year in at, at a Harriman after playing rugby and then four years of college. So, so many people that are like that and had amazing careers. And he's – Nicky Ansaw is one of those guys too from BYU. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I, I, I can't wait to see what he does. He's so fresh in the game of, of football, but you know, rugby is very similar. It's contact. Uh, you got to get some from one side of the field to the other. So um, I think he's going to be a, a great asset to the Cardinals. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming up, you'll hear more from Stevenson Sylvester here on the Crimson Corner Podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, the search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. back into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com. I am Trevor Allen. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Here is the rest of my conversation with former Utah linebacker Stevenson Sylvester. Okay, three more guys uh, I, I want your uh, takes on, and then we'll, and then obviously we've already gone through all of our draft stuff. By the way, I just want to point this out. You thought that Damari Simpkins was going to have a long career in the NFL. He did not get an undrafted free agent deal, but it's not over yet. He could still get no. a mini camp invite. No, no question. No question. And I'll, as I said, Damari and why I like Damari is he can make situations like this 
go in his favor. All he needs is an opportunity. He's one of those guys, if he gets a smidgen of room, just a little window, he can make something happen. Damari Simpkins, I think he's going to be a tremendous talent, but tremendous talents sometimes get overlooked because nobody sees them. If you don't, if your talent isn't seen, then your opportunity is missed. But if that opportunity presents itself, which there were tons of guys who getting opportunities that shouldn't, that I think he should, all he needs to do is stay ready. Stay ready at any time. Because even if this goes in the training camp, injuries happen all the time during training camp. Somebody needs to get picked up in the, in the, in the waiver wires. If they're looking for a body, stay ready throughout the whole year. Anything, just keep working. Keep chasing this dream. I think Damari, give him that opportunity. Once he gets that opportunity, he's gone. But he has to stay mentally in it. And I can't say that that's an easy thing. Staying mentally in it is an extremely, extremely hard thing. But if he can if he can survive that, make it happen, he's going to get an opportunity. And he has to know is once I get that opportunity, that's my one chance. That's how he has to look at it. That's my one chance, my one opportunity, and I'm going to make it happen. I, I truly believe he'll make it happen. So let's just find out. You created a huge buzz on Twitter after I, I published that uh, story about Damari from, uh, from our conversation. It was everything that you, you have said about it. I know that Damari is a big fan of yours now. Oh, well, I, I hope so, Manny. I, I, I appreciate his work ethic and, of course, and being a Utah man and, and helping the Hollandale Trio come here to Utah because they brought some amazing things here. Um, so I appreciate him. I, as I said, man, I'm a, I'm a guy who, who just loves hard work and I, I'm more up on results than I am on, you know, resumes or statistics because, you know, people lie on those. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but if I can see that you bring something of value to the table and me and you can definitely eat at the table. So um, he's one of those guys. So I really need the NFL to give him an opportunity. I think he's going to be amazing. He's, he's calm, collected, and he just loves the game of football. And that's, that's everything that I care about. So um, I, I can't wait for him to get an opportunity. Okay. Three more uh, guys who were drafted uh, to go through two safeties. Let's start with Julian Blackman. He was a guy who in mock drafts were, uh, having him go around the fifth round, especially because of that injury that he had in the Pac-12 championship game. But the Colts went up and, and took him in the, the third round. Obviously, Julian said that he wasn't surprised because the Colts already said that, it, you know, he's probably going to be taken by them earlier than, than a lot of people thought. What could Julian Blackman do for the Indianapolis Colts? Man, Julian is great. I love that he's a Utah boy. So it's, that's everything to know that anybody here in Salt Lake – you can just make your dreams happen, but you have to work hard. He's another guy who's just a hard worker. He, you can definitely see when he was injured, because he was injured prior to the Pac-12 championship, and he did everything to get back. He was looking great, and the next thing you know, you know, he messed up his knee. But he is a guy who's going to bring everything for the Colts, and they know exactly what they want. You can never take what somebody says because there's a lot of pre-draft conversations. They call you, oh, we're, we're looking at you, we're excited, you know, uh, you know, stay ready, stay by the phone. They'll call you all the time, but you can't take that serious. But I'm glad that Julian has that type of confidence because you never know where you're going in the draft. It's literally you got to hope that team is sticking to their word, but you got to understand those teams, they're all about business. So it's not always going to be – 
I told you this, and that's what ends up happening. Because you don't know if another team is looking at him. The Colts never knew that. But um, they were interested in him. I think he's a tremendous guy as far as his intelligence. As you've seen this senior year, making his, his switch from corner to safety was just amazing. So I don't even know where the Colts are looking at using him. They could put him back at corner. They could put him wherever they want him in, in that, in that secondary. And I think that's why he went so high is because of his versatility. You know, he's had a great track record at corner. And then he instantly made the switch to uh, to safety and was an all-conference guy. He All-American, had, too. Yes, he has that capability and, and ability to be so versatile that you can put him in any position. So with that being said, it doesn't matter the defensive scheme that they that they have. He's going to be tremendous athlete. Ath- asset to the Colts as well I think he needs to uh, make sure he stays healthy stay in the books Um, he's had a lot of time as everybody else has to get healthy um, and just shine Um, he brings a lot of energy to the table so that's nothing that you have to worry about but uh, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what all these youths do to the NFL boost make make us get more recruits because what we're doing here at Utah is something that you, you can't miss we can see, we send people to the NFL because of the coaching staff here at, at at Utah. They know what to do. They know how to put you in position to succeed. That's what coaches do. That's what great leaders do. And uh, the University of Utah, they they got it, man. We we need to win this national championship soon because we put a lot of guys in great positions to succeed. So now we just we need to get that national championship. Kyle Whittingham, by the way, as you, as you touched on that, since Kyle Whittingham has been the head coach at Utah, he's had 52 of his players get drafted into the NFL. That's more than the, the entire history of Utah football combined before Whittingham took over. Jeez. Jeez. 52 guys since 2005, and you're one of them, has gone to the NFL. Well, I mean, as I said before, I think that's one thing you can appreciate Coach Witt. You know, he's, he's a guy who's about winning. Um, he's about winning. He's about taking care of his guys. So I, I think because he has that track record, it, it just goes to his flexibility as a coach. He was able to adjust. He knew that this wasn't working, so I adjusted. And he's got to adjust every year depending on the type of uh, players he has. But with recruiting and making sure that you know who you're bringing in, it's just like in a, in a business. It's like when you read a resume and you do interviews, you know who you're bringing into your into your company. And that's exactly what he's doing with these recruits. He's knowing who can fit the culture mode, who's coachable and who could go. So I don't have to, as the head coach, make as many adjustments as I had to my first um, few years. But I think he's just done an amazing job of creating a foundation that promotes success. The uh, final guy, and then we'll, we'll end the uh, draft talk here. John Penasini going to the Lions sixth mm-hmm. round. I felt like that that was a, a pretty good spot for him, especially being taken in the, the sixth round when he was kind of projected to go six to potentially undrafted. Well, I mean, uh, we got three defensive linemen drafted, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that is amazing all in itself. Um, as you said, the Lions were definitely looking for uh, defensive linemen. They took a couple pass rushers before they – uh, before and I came off the board and we we're just like, what's going on with that? But um, Hennessini is consistent, you know, and, and he's a workhorse and he's a playmaker at the end of the day. And that's what I'm talking about. 
Pinzini's not a gym hero as far as like lifting like crazy or doing anything, but the guy has football intelligence. He's consistent and he's a playmaker. If a play needs to be made, which you saw in the Washington game, Pinzini came out and made some amazing plays. Yep, he's a playmaker when the game is on the line, and that's that's value. That brings value to teams, and I think he's just a, a tremendous guy that I think would uh, fit anywhere. But I think Detroit is a great place because they promote and they have really good D linemen over there. So I think he's going to have a great career in Detroit. What was it like when you were waiting for your name to be called when the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers took you in the fifth round? When you were waiting, so you had to wait until day three, but what was it like waiting? So what was it like when you got the call? Man, it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you flat out, I it was so bad because I'm just like, man, I'm seeing all these guys come across the board. And me, I'm an analyzer. Like, I, I see. Like, if you're better than me, which I won't say, but if you're better than me, I can respect that. I can respect somebody taking a decision. But I've seen so many guys who I went to the combine with, who I played against, who were getting drafted before me. And I'm just like, what? And so that 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 irked me, for one. Yeah. And Dude, I thought I was, you know, and this is me as a player. I thought I was worth more than that. You know, I stayed an extra year. I think, you know, me, my senior year probably, you know, made me drop a, a couple of uh, uh, drafts. But I think whatever it was, I was going crazy. But I was going crazy up until the point that I got the call because I got a call and it was a number I didn't know. And I almost, because I don't really answer calls that I don't know. Yeah. But I almost didn't answer it, and I'm like, oh, crap, this is draft day. <laughs> so I answered <laughs> it, and um, everything that I was feeling, all the anger, all the frustration from the before just went out the window. I'm like, I'm going to Pittsburgh for crazy, for goodness sake. And I just – it was just an amazing, amazing feeling. So all these guys who went undrafted, even Damari, I can't, I can't imagine what he's going through right now. He's not even on an undrafted team yet. but. Um, uh, it's it literally drives you crazy. That's why I said if you can control the mental game, um, you can get past a lot. And but uh, when I got that call, all bets were off. I was solely focused on Pittsburgh. I'm like, let me let's make this happen. Going into the draft, what were you and your agent being told about where at you could get drafted? Was it the fifth round, or or, or were you uh, supposed to go higher? No, I wasn't getting told anything. I didn't really? think I was going to get drafted, but I, you really? know. I, I felt like I was supposed to. Yeah. I didn't get any teams like, uh, you know, me and me and Robert Johnson worked out together in L.A. And Robert was flying out to Chicago, flying out to um, uh, all these other teams would fly him out to do a, a, a workout out there. And I didn't get none of that. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? What did I do? I did. I had a pretty good combine. I, I, don't, I had great tape. I don't know what is going on. But I wasn't getting any calls. I didn't think anybody was interested, let alone Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was like the 32nd yeah. team on my list as far as the possibility for me to go. They just won Super Bowl a year back, and they had all these all-pro guys. There's no way that they needed me, of all people. And so, like, I was just – by the fact of me not getting many calls or anything, the day of the draft uh, – actually, because the draft starts on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So the day before on Wednesday, I got, like – Jacksonville and New Orleans called me and was just like, Hey, stay by the phone. If you're an undrafted free agent, we'd love to have you here because if you're an undrafted free agent, really? 
yeah, that's literally what they told me. And, and you know, that just plays with your psyche, man. So yeah. uh, it, it really, really, really killed me to do all of that. But, you know, here nor there, um, got to Pittsburgh, made it happen with the Super Bowl my rookie year. It's awesome. What's it like playing in the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, you don't even know where you're at. You, you don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't know where I was at. And you just, you just don't realize because we literally had success like crazy that year. I mean, we started three and one and I mean, we ended up 12 and four, but should have been even better than that. We just had an amazing year, amazing talent. The game was easy because we had Ryan Clark, Troy Palomalo, Ike Taylor. I mean, it was just Casey Hampton. We had the most amazing defense. And then on offense, we had Heinz Ward, uh, Rashard Mendenhall, Mike Wallace, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and, and Antonio Brown, and Heath Miller at tight end. And we had Moel Moore as, the, as our third down back. Um, incredible offensive line. It was just like, we just had talent everywhere. It was insane. It was just like, it was so easy going into games. We game plan like crazy, but it was the confidence that you had is like, it was, it was the wildest thing ever. So that whole year, I can't tell you where I was at. I was there because yeah. I seen pictures. I seen pictures. I was yeah. there, but yeah, I mean, going all the way to Super Bowl, you just don't realize it. And then every year after that, you think it's that easy to get back to the Super Bowl and it's not. So I, when I was in the Super Bowl, it was incredible. The, the, the pregame antics with the God Bless America, the national anthem, and all the other stuff that they do was it was so long. And I'm just like, so we really have to sit here like I do on TV, like if I'm watching it. But um, it was just incredible. The Super Bowl was just an experience that you can't top. Well, also, what about sitting in the locker room for a longer period of time because of the halftime show? It was brutal. It was I mean, like you're in there for like a 30 minutes. More normally, it's like ten minutes, right? Yeah. Go in there, you know. We eat some oranges. We talk about what's wrong, you know. We we take a breath and we get back out there. But literally, it's like forty minutes, forty five minutes before we go take the field again. And you have and to like stretch and warm up again. Yeah, you really have to, and that messes with people. The thing is, the Steelers had so many people that have been in the Super Bowl before, so they were used to it. As far as me, I'm like, what is going on? I have no idea. Can somebody help me out? I'm just a rookie. But it was um, it was crazy and something that I'll always remember and uh, I'm happy that I was a part of. Because we end up taking a little bit of, of, of a detour down this road, and I'm, I'm glad we did because, you know, to talk about all these memories. As you sit here now talking about it, would you have thought that when you were back in Vegas and Kalani and Gary Anderson come and watch you play, get an offer from Utah, did you think – that your football career would end up the way that it was. What if I told you that you would get an offer to play at Utah, you would go to Utah, be one of the best linebackers to ever play in uh, school history, you would be on a team that would never lose a game in, in 2008, you would upset Alabama to win the Sugar Bowl, you would also get drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you would play a long NFL career in Buffalo and in Pittsburgh. If I told you that, Back in Vegas, when you were just playing preps, what would you say? I would probably be like, oh, that's cool, and then turn around crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you should have heard the stuff he was just saying a second. <laughs> um, 
I literally probably would not have believed you. I didn't even think I had to go to college. So by you saying go to an amazing university, be undefeated, be Alabama, um, get drafted to the most iconic football organization, play at the most iconic football organization, go to a Super Bowl, have a a five-year career, I'd be like – Stop messing with me. Because kids from my area, that doesn't happen. Vegas isn't a football city. That doesn't happen. I mean, I'm trying to remember how many people from Vegas even touched the NFL before um, 2006. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that it was a thing that's ever happened. I mean, at my school, it was Greg Maddox was the only guy to, like, touch the – Yeah, right? To touch the to professional ranks in, in baseball, but – that just doesn't happen. So for you to just come to a young 17-year-old kid and be like, you're going to have the most amazing life, just watch. And I'll be like, all right, thanks, guy. And I'll be like, he smoked some kind of dope. <laughs> um, but, you know, but that's the thing is that's what I want to have all these undrafted free agents, all these young kids out there in the world is like, you write your own story. You write your own story by working hard. You work hard. Anything is possible. And the, there's a saying, impossible is nothing. Don't, it, it don't, as soon as you start saying, like, I can't do this, that's impossible, that's when that stuff is letting in. Otherwise, there's so many scenarios and stories where people have actually achieved those feats, being in lesser positions than you. So your story is yet to be written. Damari Simpkins, he hasn't been on the team. His story is yet to be written. All of this is going into a story. I worked hard. I had an amazing college career. I didn't get drafted. I even had to wait until training camp to get picked up. His story is yet to be written. And I can't wait till five, ten years down the road where you see where this kid's at. Something I want to go off of that I might bring up in the uh, debate on Thursday, but something that um, I want to bring up to you. And for those that are are watching the video, because I'm I'm actually going to post a video clip of this probably. I ended up sending you this. Walk me through the Ooh. play where you did that and why you did that. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. I, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure you end up sacking the quarterback, the Alabama quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. I just know that <laughs> I was in the zone um, since New Year's. So that the game was on January 2nd, um, 2009. And since, like, New Year's Eve, I was literally locked in. Like, I watched so much Alabama film. We already watched it all, but I rewatched so much Alabama film when uh, after New Year's Eve to get ready for the game. Because I watched so much because I was blown away. I'm like, why are they better than us? Like, I, why do 90% of the nation – Say that we're gonna lose. And even like, Saban I, I, overlooking you guys. Yeah, but like I was, I was just a disbelief. I'm like, where are they getting this? Like, are they watching the same tape as me? Like, I don't see it. And so I was locked in from from the get go. We do the coin toss. I'm looking them in the face. That whole interaction happens, and I'm just like, these guys, they, they're just like any other team we face. I don't get it. And so uh, after that first series, uh, Coach Anderson drew up a blitz for me to come off the edge. 
and I, I called it with Paul Kruger. So uh, what I do is I, I had him hold his position for just a second and then slice inside. Mm-hmm. Once he slices inside, he's going to take that, um, take that tackle in to hesitate. Because in football, if you hesitate for half a second, you're beat. And that's all I needed. So Paul Kruger hold it for, held for one second and then went inside, took the guard with him, and I was one-on-one with the tackle. And I just – I knew the snap count. And I beat him. I went right up field, got to that four-and-a-half, five-yard mark, and then I cut it in. And I see Parker Wilson riding my riding my sights. I'm like, ooh, this was easy. <laughs> this was easy. I just yeah. – I grabbed him. And my whole thing is I, did, I wanted to make this sack happen. So I'm just like, you're not going to throw – this was going in my head. You're not going to throw the ball when you're in my grasp. I know that. So I made sure my hand was around his wrist or the ball or whatever. I bear hugged him to make sure he didn't throw the ball. I'm getting this sack. (laughs) There's no incomplete pass. Oh, the quarterback lost him. There's none of that. And so I made that happen. I hear the whistle blow. I'm like, no penalty, no penalty. Great. (laughs) Then I don't know where the celebration came from, but um, it was – it, it was crazy. It was crazy. And that really set the stage, man, because we was with it. We was with it on defense and offense just came with it too. We were all in the zone gelling. And that first quarter was just amazing. As you guys can tell, we, the next defensive series, we get an interception on the second play. We, man, it's just that game. When, when you're locked in as an athlete, that's where things take over. That's where all of these guys need to need to go when they get into the NFL. Just lock in. Think of nothing else. Think of no doubt. Don't think of somebody having the potential to beat you. You belong wherever you're at. Lecky Foto, you belong in Arizona. Bradley and I, you belong on the Dallas Cowboys. Make it happen. Lock in, zone in. Because I'm telling you one thing, I came in as a, as a rookie to Pittsburgh to a team that didn't need me, but I was so locked in and I made it happen that they carried me throughout the rest of the year. Um, I carried an extra linebacker because of me throughout the rest of the year. Because there were, there were two other linebackers taken before me. Yeah. And I ended up, you know, being better than both of them. So you make your own story. You make your own things happen. And literally write your own story. That's all, that's all there is to I'm it. telling you right now, folks, this is only just a teaser of what's going to happen on Thursday with the uh, Great Ute debate. Are you and Brian Johnson ready? Are you guys already collaborating? No, not yet. I got I, I to gotta put a game plan together because that's just who I am. I'm just like, okay, if he has this, because it's, it's in preparation. What's great about this is Quinton and, and BJ are both uh, coordinators and, and coaches. In it, mm-hmm. And so they still stick with it. As far as Weddle, he just retired. I'm the guy who's the furthest out. <laughs> but, like, I, I'm literally – I'm in it, and I cannot wait – because as soon as Q comes with something from the offensive scenario, I'm going to come back with like, no, we're going to do this because we have this person to shut that down. You ain't going to make it happen. And it, I just can't wait. It's going to be awesome. The scenarios that would come up because of the dynamic of both teams, like I'm going to do my studying. This is game week now for me. Yep. Like now I got to understand personnel. I got to understand who the offensive coordinator and who's the defensive coordinator for that team was. And so once we do all that, BJ and I will, will come through with the game plan and be like, look, this is what it is. Let's make it happen. Dude, I am so excited to do this thing. <laughs> and, you know, just to be around so much legendary status guys 
like you, Quinton, Brian, and Eric. This is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Now, one last thing, and then I'm going to cut you loose because you've already been very gracious with your time. How is Clint doing? Clint is doing amazing. You know, um, uh, the quarantine definitely is holding up stuff because I don't want my stylist to to go into areas and, and force the situation. But with America opening back up soon, um, these stylists will be able to, to have positions. As you can tell, I'm a guy who needs a haircut. And there's many other people. I just I got one in my, in my backyard. Wife gave oh. me a haircut. Oh, well, you're it isn't too bad. I mean, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a very plain guy, but I'm also losing my hair. Like, I'm, I'm not even 30 yet, and I'm losing my hair. I'm getting gray hair, so I'm, I, like, wear hats all the time. <laughs> I'm not like you where, you know, I got I to gotta look, you know, I got to have, you know, a swag and style anywhere I go, right? Man, I need a haircut every single week. This is, <laughs> this is seven weeks. This is seven weeks. It's crazy. Yes. Um, I'm riding this thing out and, and feeling the real quarantine flow, but I can't wait to get it kicked off. The app looks amazing. The development company has done an amazing job. Um, we'll, we'll bring, we'll, we're testing right now. We're giving it to small groups as far as, you know, users how you're going to book appointments, making sure it's seamless, all the things that you need to book an appointment, to communicate with that person. We're testing all of that to make sure our theories are great. And then we have, you know, stylists who we've been working with for the past two years um, and putting their input and testing the app. So um, by the next three weeks, uh, we'll be released and people can definitely start having at it. Man, Clip is going to be amazing. It looks amazing already. Um, just from the, the focus groups that I've done, it's been um, tremendous. They're like, this is exactly what I need. I need my stylist to know this about me before I even walk into the salon. Or I need to know this about a stylist before I meet with them. And it's just, it's a tremendous thing. And I cannot wait until everybody has a chance to play with it. So you're, you're, you're basically almost done with this. You're, you're heading down the home stretch of a, of a four-year project then, right? Uh, yeah, you're never done, but um, <laughs> at least for it to launch, you know, something that you're wanting to do, and then obviously keeping it going is is the next phase. But at least to get it off the ground. Yeah, no question. It's definitely a long process. And anybody who's who's worked in technology or, or built something, they know this feeling that I'm at right now. And even it doesn't even be technology. It's literally a business. From you, literally going from concept to reality, it's the it's the best feeling. And so I'm excited. I'm getting more and more anxious, but you know, we've done so much testing to make sure that we're releasing a great product. You'll never have a perfect product. You can always have more iterations and, and make things happen, make things happen. But I'm excited because I mean, the definition of cosmetology is the professional treatment of the hair, skin and nails. Everybody has hair, skin and nails. A lot of people are missing their barbers. I hear so many protests right now. It's like, I need my hairstylist. Let me out. And so I, I've talked to plenty of providers who are like, I need clients. And so this is a perfect opportunity where both of the demands, and I, I mean, I meet the needs of the demands that are, that are out there. So this is um, it's awesome. Perfect timing for everything. And um, look out. Clip is coming. Yeah, and we're definitely going to have, have you back on as soon as it launches. But uh, if you guys want to know more exactly of what Clip is, if you guys are new new to this uh, podcast, go back to one of, to our, our previous conversation with Sly. He goes in-depth on everything about it. And then is there any info people can check out uh, for them as they're waiting for this to launch? Or 
yeah, yeah. If you want to contact me, be a part of the beta, you know, uh, get a first hand touch. I mean, we don't, have, we don't have our stylist live yet, um, but um, you can definitely run through all the different scenarios and play with it. Just hit me up at info at clipme.com or go to our website for more information, clipme.com or, um, you know, just hit us up on social media where our, our social media is clip official. And so our at clip official. So, uh, let us know if you guys have any questions or, or anything. Just uh, hit and, me up. Uh, and a clip is spelled differently, right? It's not just yeah. the regular C L I P. It, it's different, no. right? Yeah, it's a, it's got a little little personality to it. Love so it. it's it's K L Y P. K L Y P clip is the name, um, and it fits well with the industry. The stylists love it, consumers love it. So go to K L Y P official on social media or klypme.com. Sly, I can't believe that that we have been talking for an hour. It's been fantastic. Has it been an hour? It's been an hour, at least, you know, according to my clock. But uh, I felt like it it went like that just because it's it's such great conversation. I mean, I I love getting all all your insight because you've, you've played the game and you're a guy that people in this community absolutely love and from your career at the University of Utah. But it's not over. We'll definitely catch up on Thursday. Thank you so much for joining me, man. My man, appreciate you. And that will do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. I'm at Trevor A Sports. Sly is at Sylvester 55 And then you can also follow us at KSL Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure you guys check out all of our post-draft coverage over at KSLSports.com. And make sure you guys tune in Thursday for the Great Ute Debate, the 2004 team against the 2008 team on the KSL Sports Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.